welcome everyone to the Tectonic Takes podcast. We're doing things a little differently. Normally for a post-game podcast, such as this one, we like to uh, take a little bit of time to digest the game. And I like to also go detailed and have a game plan of how we're going to map up the podcast. But since uh, we have one of our Tectonic Takes members uh, co-host now, since he's making his podcast debut at the game, we thought we'll go right out of the gate and give our instant reactions. And I'm talking about Christopher Mercado. He's one of our newer members. He's doing his first ever podcast with us. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on, Ivan. It's uh, It's been a pleasure. Today's game was a great game, live from PayPal Park. And, uh, you know, it was it was hard fought. It was a hard fought game here. And being here in the stands, it was it was electric. Yeah, and I definitely think it was fitting. We played against the Loons, Minnesota United, and sometimes this game felt like Looney Tunes, not necessarily in the cartoon sense, but in the chaos sense. So yeah. it's been uh, interesting to watch from the TV in my perspective, and I'm sure it was for you, as you just said, uh, in the stadium itself. This is the first home game that I haven't been able to go to, so hopefully next time we'll both be able to be at the same game. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That would be fun. Yeah, so... Overall, it's all about who wants it more. And the question yeah. is both, and that was the question. The answer was both these teams wanted it badly. Minnesota United's situation isn't as dire. Uh, the next three opponents the Quakes have, will face, including tonight's opponents, Minnesota United, are all third through fifth in the Western Conference. So they're a bit more secure in their playoff position than the group of teams that includes the San Jose Earthquakes. Um, I look at Minnesota United. I know there's been a lot of teams that have had success with San Jose Earthquakes in the last several seasons, but Minnesota United have success, have been um, arguably the most successful. They lost their first four games since coming to Major League Soccer against San Jose, but since then, Minnesota United has had San Jose Earthquakes number. And I viewed this relationship as I viewed U.S. Men's National Team versus Ghana, where they lost to Ghana in 2006 and 2010, they finally beat Ghana in 2014, and I felt like, okay, this that was a finally a good step forward for that program. And I think this is another step that the Quakes were unfortunately unable to take tonight. But if they can continue to compete against teams like Minnesota United and hopefully beat Minnesota United in some point in the near future, yeah. that'll be a sign of good things to come. Yeah, you know, the, the point tonight was hard fought. You know, the, the red card with Nathan tonight would tell that the team took a little bit of a, of a toll. And, and, you know, the point is a point, and we continue yep. our unbeaten streak. Yeah, nine and games that's the most important part. Yeah, yeah, you know, especially at home, we can't be losing. And to take the point home is better than to go home with nothing. Right. And to our podcast listeners, apologies if uh, we encounter some audio issues. Uh, we haven't podcasted too many times from the stadium, so this is a little bit uncharted yeah. territory. A little bit of a work in progress. You know, we're working with what we can. Yeah. So let's take a look at Minnesota United's lineup. They have a lot of interesting players. Tyler Miller, goalkeeper. Their back line consisted of Madagascar International, Roman Metonier. He was mm -hmm. part of the team that in their first ever African Cup of Nations, they made to the quarterfinals. Then you have uh, Brett Kalman and Bakaya Debasi from Mali in the center defense. Debasi was the player who scored the own goal for Minnesota. Then you have DJ Taylor filling in at left back for Chase Gasper. 
The midfield consisted of Jan Gregus, the Slovakian designated player alongside Will Trapp. Ethan Finley, Emmanuel Reynoso, and Hassani Dodson were their wingers and attacking midfielder. And Adrian Huno was their striker up top. And we saw Justin McMaster and Juan Agudelo come off the bench for them. And they're coming off a 1-0 yeah. loss to LA Galaxy. So it'll be interesting to see what the Quakes not only take from this game, but the game Minnesota played previously as they prepare to face LA Galaxy up next. Uh, was there any surprises for you in the lineup? I would say definitely Trophy's uh, not being here tonight for the San Jose Earthquakes. Uh, I would say it was a little bit of a, a surprise, definitely. Uh, he was tonight. out due to a suspension, yellow card accumulation. Yeah, yellow card accumulation. You know, him not being here tonight. Um, I felt like he was... Yeah, yeah, you know, having having Nathan at the back allows us to play that back three uh, really aggressively the way Almeida wants us to. And him not being there um, definitely, like, tell, tells, like, on the team. Uh, his presence there is very important. And Trophy's playing in the position that he does, you know, the great goal that he scored on the cutback from the assist from Espinosa. Um, I felt like he was a little bit missing here tonight. You know, Cowell had a couple of good opportunities. But, um, uh, yeah, you know, I feel like trophies was definitely definitely missing here tonight. Yeah, so the Quakes lineup, of course, Marcinkowski. This time we have a back four for the first time in a while. Avocasis, Nathan Beeson, and right. Marcos Lopez. Uh, holding midfielders were Remedy and Jidson. And then you had Espinoza and Salinas, the wingers. Jackson Ewell in that 10 role. And Jeremy Ibobasi as the striker. And from the bench, we saw Kate Cowell, Paul Marie, Carlos Fierro, and... Chris Wondolowski, uh, an important milestone for Chris Wondolowski. If you thought there was nothing else for him to achieve, he's now part of the 400 MLS Appearance Club. Wow. So congratulations to him. Yeah, definitely congratulations to Chris Wondolowski. 400 appearances is no small feat. Uh, for him to do it uh, here at PayPal Park, it, it was great to have him come on. And 400 and counting, you know, is, is the go. Chris Wondolowski. I think he'll probably add a dozen or so more before he hangs them up if, if this really is the end for him. And that's just an incredible number to think about. So regular MLS season is 34 games. I don't even think it was 34 games when Chris Wondolowski first entered the league because we've had so many expansion teams come in over the years. So by since then, the, definitely by the 2021 standards of MLS. It's like if you've played 13 seasons. So, and he's definitely the math checks out if I remember Chris Wanolaski's history correctly. And he wasn't always expected to be a top level MLS striker, but he's worked hard and he's carved out this legacy for him. And hopefully, you know, definitely, if there's definitely. one thing that the Quakes can draw from him, even if. Chris Wondolowski isn't scoring as much goals as he used to be. It's that grit and determination to fight for every point. And I think they showed that tonight. And yeah, I think his leadership who fought really field. hard uh, was Jackson Ewell. I think he redeemed himself after some poor performances for club and country. And I, they really needed him. I would agree with that. Definitely. And him, uh, alongside him, uh, Judson tonight was absolutely a one. Personally, I would give him the man of the match. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, he's working hard. The last couple of performances that he's had has been top-notch, and, and you know, hopefully he could keep it up. I mean, keep it up. Him and Jackson, you will make a really good midfield. Him, Rometty, 
personally, I think Jackson Yu, Rometty, and Judson should be continue to be the midfield. Yeah, I think as long as there's a four two three one, that there's going to be room for all three of them. If you want to go three in the back, and this is the formation I thought they were going with initially, then you can try a three four one two with Jackson as like a a cam. And that would be similar to the formation that the Italian national team used to use back around like the 2014 World Cup. So it is possible, but it is a rare formation. And since you brought it up, mm-hmm. my man of the match as well is Judson. And for once, Twitter agrees with me. According hey. to our poll on the Tectonic Ticks podcast, granted, <laughs> it's only 30 votes and there's still like 23 hours left in this poll because we always let it run for 24 hours. Judson currently has 50% yeah. of the vote with everyone else, you know, fighting for second. So I think this is a very vintage Judson performance where he was just all over the place in a good way. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, the Brazilian concert here for San Jose Earthquakes, uh, it's, it's, uh, he's putting in a really good performance and he needs to keep it up because we need players like him to, to keep on playing for the shirt and playing for the three points every time. Yeah, so when the Quakes scored their opening goal, it was a 12th-minute goal. It was a bit fortunate because Christian yeah. Espinoza, he tried his luck. It took a deflection off Debasi. It was rolling in own goal. I was thinking, okay, yeah. this is good, but we've seen this story before. Like, does this team have 78 more minutes of good football or soccer left in them? And I didn't expect to be proven so wrong so quickly and so emphatically with Nathan, who has been terrific for the San Jose Earthquakes. Absolutely terrific. He was due for yes. that game, but I, he wasn't due for an you know, error this bad. And it wasn't even the thing that surprised me. And maybe it was just me thinking, oh, the Quakes are always getting screwed over at first. But I didn't realize how bad it was at first. I thought, hmm, maybe that was a little harsh. Maybe it should have just been it's yellow. Apple. But then I saw the replay yeah. and – I can't really argue with the red card as much as I wanted to. You know, the replay definitely brings out a good point. You know, personally, I'd say a yellow and a really stern talking to, but, you know, the red, the ref, he he sees it, he saw it, and probably made the right correct, correction. You know, it was studs up. It was a kind of a late tackle. You know, he did really well to get the ball at first and to carry it into the midfield, but, you know, the tackle, it was a little late. It was a little bit dirty, and, and I mean, the red definitely shows – for the rest of the game, you know, it affected the game on the outcome, 10 versus 11, but the, the Quakes, you know, they didn't let it get to their heads. They, they, kept, they kept working for the point. And then this long MLS break coming up due to the All-Star game is going to be even longer for Nathan. He's going to watch uh, the Quakes on Friday, either from the hotel in LA or from home in San Jose. And hopefully he realizes that in that midfield, when there's not an immediate threat, he doesn't have to go all out with those kinds of challenges. Like we've seen it work out for him in some dangerous situations in the box yeah, before yeah, yeah. it's met with the type of celebrations you'd see a defensive NFL player when they get an interception and it's yeah, great it, to see, but yeah, you know, you, you got to love his passion. You got to love his passion on the field, but I would yeah. agree. There's a time and place. And, you know, it, like I said a little bit previously, it, it showed it showed a bit on the on the reflection of the game, having 10 men. Yep. And if you asked me who from Minnesota United was going to score the first goal of this game, the safe money would have been Reynoso. And then maybe someone like Kuno, even though as a designated player, he hasn't really been 
the best uh, designated player strikers so far during his time in MLS. But Will Trapp, this was his third career MLS goal, and it came, uh, of course, against us. <laughs> I know, a bit unfortunate. You know, I would say for Minnesota United, the, the right fullback, uh, he was putting a little bit of a performance in. You know, he had a couple of good uh, body movements, having our, our players moving around. Uh, um, but, yeah, you know, for him to get his third goal tonight, you know, it's a bit unfortunate. But, you know, they all got to score at some point. You know, 1-1, we got to take home the point at home. Yeah, I mentioned the right back earlier, uh, Roman Metinier. Uh, he's from mm-hmm. Madagascar. He's shown why he's an international caliber player. Uh, international Definitely. players from Africa are a little bit rare in, uh, in MLS, so it's always MLS. exciting to see. So we'll, uh, you know, and he is one of the better fullbacks in MLS, in my opinion. So definitely one to watch out for and he had a good game as well him versus chase salinas was an interesting battle before chase salinas came off before Um, he came off definitely and something that i didn't notice well before i get into that there was a chip goal scored by minnesota but saved by the offside offside saved by the offside flag you know everyone here in the stadium got a little a little rattled by that but it was a good call you know the ref made the right decision offside is offside and the chip was was a little bit classy but you know uh good thing we kept it one one yeah i think there would have been a good amount of people walking out of the stadium if they scored that chip goal it's like okay we've seen enough (laughs) but thankfully they were able to hold on eventually there would be no other goals in that match so that proved to be very important uh, after that chance, the Quicks started to plug the gaps a bit better as the first half drew to close. Um, one of our uh, Twitter followers at Quackarazzi noticed that Christian Espinosa hyperextended and possibly tore his right MCL. So that's going to be something to watch for his availability potentially against the Galaxy on Friday. And ultimately, the sentiment after the first half and eventually throughout the whole game was that the referee, Victor Rivas, did not call Minnesota on the same types of minor fouls as he had the Quakes, as I'm sure that the fans at PayPal Park agreed with you, right? Yeah, yeah, the fans at PayPal Park definitely, you know, they it's a good incensed. atmosphere out here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, we would love to see the, the stadium get filled up. It would be absolutely electric. I mean, there's no bad seats here in PayPal Park, you know, oh, no, but absolutely. for the people that were here. You get a good view you know, almost yeah. anywhere. Look, let's see, maybe my camera could show a little bit off of the stadium. It's a beautiful stadium. There's no other stadium like it with the, with the view that we have of the airport here. It's absolutely beautiful. You know, yeah, it's coming for those to listening game. to the audio-only version of this podcast, uh, Chris is uh, seated, you know, near the top, or at least recording this podcast with us from the top section of the side of the seats facing yeah, the, right by the long flag. bar and the uh, big board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The great seats anywhere in the stadium, but personally, this is where I like to sit. Yeah, it's a good place, and I'm glad you enjoyed the viewpoint from there. Quake surprisingly started off the second half with a spell possession. Salinas got into dangerous wide position, but Metinier uh, snuffed it out. Uh, we saw Christian Espinoza cheaply give the ball away in dangerous position. He had potentially a couple options. It wasn't the mm. easiest of situations, but Instead of shooting or passing, he just kept it too long and he got picked off. Uh, were you expecting it to be all yep. in the Quakes, uh, set, uh, Quakes half for that second 45 minutes? 
you know, I expected the Quakes to go out there. Maybe, like you said, you know, uh, sometimes they, I feel like they take a little too long, but it's understandable. We have to see where the players are open. We have to be able to read the space. Um, for the second half, you know, I thought we did okay. I thought we did well to hold on to the point because especially with 10 men, you know, it, it's always difficult to play with that, with that disadvantage. I'd say the biggest chance Minnesota had in the second half was when they were crashing the box in numbers. They had a few opportunities, passes, shots. I think Reynoso lost his balance a little bit, but still managed to put in a dangerous position. Uh, JT Marcinkowski and the defense were doing some last-ditch defending, but there was a handball in the buildup, so that killed the opportunity. I was really nervous watching right. that. I'm sure you thought that it was a certain goal at that point. Yeah, you know, I did. Yep. So, but thankfully, that was pretty much all the Minnesota attacking threat offered for the rest of the game. In the 80th minute, there was a big moment in the match. So, Kate Cowell was in between Brent Coleman and DJ Taylor. It looked like DJ Taylor did just enough to win the ball fairly. There was a bit of contact, but I didn't see enough in it to think that there should have been a penalty. Obviously, we would have loved there to be a penalty, but uh, yeah, you know, just... yeah, you know, K. Carroll did a little bit of a kick. You know, it, it looked yeah, like a penalty from Owl City, too, and that so was definitely think... screaming. That was like... screaming for the pen, you know. But it, yeah, right call from the ref. Yeah, sorry for uh, talking over you there, but uh, I think that uh, little kick that Cowell did on Taylor, I think that was just enough for the referee to think, okay, this is fifty-fifty at best. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, but, but you know, a penalty would have been perfect for the 2-1 uh, if we were able to sink it. But, you know, yeah. right right call from the ref. Yeah, we already mentioned Chris Wondolowski making the 400th game milestone and how ultimately the Quakes, uh, they were outshot by a lot. I think uh, Anthony Dangerfield and Chris Passarelli in the commentary while I was watching the game, they mentioned – that Minnesota United outshot them 11 to two. I didn't realize it was that drastic, but it's to be expected when you're down to 10 men. And then lastly, yeah, there was one final chance. I believe Carlos Fierro had the ball and Wondolowski was unmarked making a run, although he was in a deeper position at the time while Kate Cowell was yeah. already in the 18 yard box. In the box, yes. He made the cross. Unfortunately, Minnesota was able to deal with it. Maybe if he passes it to Chris Wondolowski, Wondolowski either takes a shot or makes another pass, and that could have been the late game winner. But that, that could have been it. Finishes one one. Um, I was also watching the game with my dad, and he was really annoyed that they didn't pass the ball to Wondolowski there. But I think at that point, like it was desperation time. They're just trying to get the ball into the danger area as soon as possible. It wasn't the optimal move, but you can understand the instincts at Definitely. play there. Yeah, you can. You know, we would have loved to see Fierro pass it back. The cross was could have been better, but Cowell being in the box, you know, we, we've seen him before. He can't really use his head. We would love for, for Cowell to take a, a page out of uh, Chris Wondolowski's book and learn how to take a header. Uh, but, you know, he, he's a great player with four goals, four assists this season. He's, he's going to be very important going down the line. All right. So with that result, that's another point in the pocket for the Sounds Earthquakes. And I think that's the most important thing. Like you eventually do need to start winning some games, but 
you have at least a slim chance of moving up if you get a point. You have no chance of moving up and you're likely moving yeah. down if you get zero. Yeah, most definitely. You know, the important thing is that we're nine games unbeaten. Uh, you know, unbeaten is is better than, like you said, just now a loss. You know, moving up a little, little bit is more important than not moving up at all or going down in the table. It's, it, those points are crucial for toward the end of, end of the season. All right. So due to uh, where we are in the MLS schedule, there's still a lot of games coming tomorrow. So we're not going to do a league table update or a fantasy league update. Uh, Chris, are you in our fantasy league? Uh, I have not joined the fantasy league, you know. Uh, next but season. <laughs> next, okay. se- next season is 100% on my list to do that. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, up next for the Quakes, beyond the Galaxy game, uh, the next game after that will be at home September 4th to Colorado Rapids. Then we have another busy week from September 11th versus FC Dallas. Uh, then four days after that, RSL, three days after that, Austin. So getting three points against LA Galaxy would be the best case scenario. But yeah, the job won't be done even then. Every game from here on out is going to be important. So we'll see how the Quakes can respond. Um, what do you expect for this upcoming California Classical? I'm expecting at least a good game, at least a hard fought, a hard fought game, like we kind of saw mm-hmm. tonight with by our our ten men on the field. I would, I'm hoping, you know, uh, for Cowboy to probably get another goal. You know, if oh, he's going away for the All Star game as well. Uh, him being called up, it was a great achievement for him, especially, you know. But I'm just, for the for the for the classic goal. I'm expecting at least a, a hard fought a hard fought game. Salinas to to keep doing his magic, you know, keep running down the wing and keep putting in the shift that he always does. And you know, he's Mister Mister Classical. He 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 has to, you know, he has to perform. And and um, you know, if we could get the win, like you said, best case scenario, keep keep moving forward, and um, you know, beat the rivals. That's the that's the objective. Beat LA. All right. I agree. You don't need any more motivation to beat LA Galaxy, regardless of your standing on the table. So exactly. That would yeah. be a great time for a rare win during this winless, I mean, undefeated run, which is really weird to say, but it is. Yeah, yeah you happen. know, a bunch of draws, a bunch of draws. But, you know, the wins, the wins we have to take away. We have to take away that we're undefeated uh, in these last nine games, you know. So what would your prediction for the Galaxy game be then? Uh, I would want to say if we could get the, get the win versus Galaxy. Score? Um, yeah, yeah, for the score of 1-0. I would love to see Jeremy Abobasi get the winner. All right. I think, unfortunately, the trend of conceding goals will continue, but I think, you know, law of averages, something's got to go right. I think the Quakes can stun the Galaxy. They'll win two to one. So next up, we have our oh, fan questions. Right. And we'll start with very uh, special, you know, someone I know pretty well. Uh, this comes from Instagram. His Instagram handle is e.made.it. Better known to me as Eric Ornelas, my brother. But he and that Instagram handle, he does a lot of great NBA and soccer artwork. So go check it out on Instagram. Anyway, his fan question is, what is the most important player for the Quakes right now? And to me, the most important player for the Quakes right now, I still think even though this was 
an atrocious error by him that could have easily screwed over the Quakes, Nathan is still the most important player because the, it's not a coincidence. Ever since they signed Nathan, that they've been near impossible to beat. They haven't been winning games as much as we would like, but he's giving them a chance to win games with both his usual defensive performances as well as some offensive contributions as well on set yeah. pieces. So I think, you know, Christian Espinoza stepped up. Jackson Newell is one of the more talented players the Quakes have. Jitson is important for how the midfield is run. JT Marcinkowski yes. stepped up. Chris Wondolowski is still the leader, but Nathan's importance is probably at the top of the list. But this team, you know, you can point the finger at a lot of players that, you know, they're doing a good job. Yeah, I would agree with you. Definitely Nathan has been outstanding. You know, his, his energy and the way he plays on the field, it, it, it feeds off. It, it's like something kind of intangible, but something that you could feel and, and that you could tell that in the team that his presence there is definitely like they're feeding off of it. And I would uh, I would arguably say that maybe Judson is uh, also up there. You know, the way he works on the field uh, is kind of understated. You know, he, he, he presses the ball heavy and he's, he's there. He's, he's everywhere. And him and, and, and Nathan are definitely up there for the most important players for the Quakes at the moment. Right. And then uh, one player that I surprisingly didn't mention was uh, Kate Cowell. And I think during points of the season, I might've said Kate Cowell, but I think if I'm being honest with myself, that his, strengths are being magnified as well as his weaknesses so that kind of has been evening out his performances for me he's still an immensely talented player and he's still very young too he's gonna figure these things out but as of now I think uh, if he can find another gear and he can work out some of those kinks then uh, he's going to be an important factor for how the Quakes uh, finish the season yeah, yeah, most definitely. You know, he's already on four goals, four assists, you know, uh, with the games that we have played so far. I suspect that he's probably going to continue uh, with that form. You know, he's probably going to get right. a couple more goals, a couple more assists. The way that he runs off, like, uh, runs with the ball and, and counter presses off of the ball is very important for uh, Matias Almeida's system. Yeah, I think maybe 15 goal contributions for the season, if he can uh, find a purple patch, could still be possible, yeah. but you know yeah. if he can get to double digits like that's still a great return for a young player and absolutely next up from quakes woge at trevor wojcik uh how the f was that not a penalty and i get it like <laughs> it would have been great if it went in our favor but i think you know there wasn't enough in it for me if i were a neutral player yeah. or a referee i'm not sure i would call that penalty it but you know that's just how it goes. I know it's probably not the answer you were hoping for. It does. For, it does. <laughs> that's just the way. You it know, is. sometimes you definitely. You know, sometimes you you get the call. Sometimes you don't. You know, the VAR call on uh on Nathan. You know, earlier it was a uh, first call was a yellow. Second call VAR. You know, I was I in the stands here. I was hoping that they would go VAR because from where I was sitting, it looked like a potential penalty. Uh, I don't know how it looked through through the TV, but yeah, you know, it, I would say probably the right call from the referee for that penalty. Yeah, uh, and I'm not going to be that person who's going to be switching my opinions on VAR depending on whether or not it helps the team I'm rooting for. I think that's how VAR is intended to work. Yeah, I mean, VAR... Um, 
since it's been introduced, you know, a lot of fans, either they love it or they hate it. And I've been one of those fans to to love it more when when it kind of goes your way. But, you know, it can't be like that. But the sport has to be fair. When the ref calls it the way it should be called, it's it's the way it should be. You know, the ref has the final say on, on the on the cause. All right. Next, we got Nestor Valley at Valizi. Uh, he asks a couple quick fire questions. Why did Nathan Guy ruin the vibe like that? I feel it. And then the more serious question <laughs> yeah. was, what do you guys think of Jibo so far? And I think that, you know, Stryker's role is going to be tough to uh, settle into midseason. And I think, especially since we've had to change formation, that does change the way he plays. It changes the way that the players around him plays in order to provide Ibobasi the service that he needs. But I think uh, other than that one bad miss he had in this game, I think that he's going to be putting in some goals soon. I think it's just a matter of time. What do you think? I believe so too. Yeah, I I 100% agree agree with you you know it probably takes a couple games to get used to the players and and the run of play um especially uh the game before this one you know uh there was a couple chances with Kate Cowell could have given him a a nice sideway pass for him to be open into space but you know it takes a little bit for for the players to get used to, to each other and and build up that team chemistry in order for for the goals to be coming in you know uh, Jeremy Abobas he's a great striker from the highlights that I've seen you know coming from from the Timbers you know a uh, good great piece of business I would say um it's just a matter of time uh, for him to start scoring in the goals. Right. And then the next question comes from at David J. Mays. Uh, he asks, is there a way to shake up the club? I believe he's speaking both in terms of the roster as well as the uh, club dynamics or the way it's run so that thing, so that pr- progress won't be fleeting. Uh, I'm just paraphrasing from the uh, long message that he sent because uh, we want to be uh, cognizant of the time here. It's almost 10.30 Pacific Standard Time. Basically, uh, it's other than signing or spending money on players, how, what can Quakes change to make that next step? Because right now it feels like their ceiling could be this middle-of-the-pack status, which there are. They might win some games, but they might take a few steps back. And I, I don't think there's going to be an easy answer for this because yeah, a lot of our players, uh, you know, they are giving it their all, but I think that we do need to see a bit more from some of them. I think – and once we do, like, I think Kate Cowell – He's a good form, spell of form in MLS away from potentially getting signed by another club. Especially like in these last few years, we've seen a lot of young talent, young American talent in particular, get signed across various European leagues. Uh, Serie yeah, A, Bundesliga, even Belgium. So that's yeah. not an answer. I know I try to give the best answer I can for all these fan questions, but I think you this know, is a for, question that like we would have to spend a little bit more time on, uh, David, and I'll give it some more thought, and maybe I'll tell you. You know, if I could. Uh, yeah. Yeah, sorry for, for interrupting a little bit there, but, you know, if I could probably try to answer that question as short as I could, uh, maybe if we could work a little bit on the academy, you know, I know we have mm-hmm. – uh, 
Ochoa uh, for goalkeeper uh, yeah. coming up and and maybe if we could like you know continue working on the academy and 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 grow from within that could maybe be something special you know uh, homegrown players we have like Tommy Thompson uh, I would like to see a little bit more from him as well um, like on the field working I would love to see a little bit more from Abakasis as well um, but to like stick to that, trying to answer the question as quick as I can you know working from the academy and working from within our own facilities. Um, I think it'd be very beneficial and especially financially, you know, if they go on to be success, uh, homegrown to, uh, go on, uh, to somewhere, somewhere else, um, could be beneficial, you know, um, some gems here in the Bay area from, from, from everywhere. Yeah. I think that's definitely a good answer there, Chris, because on the youth side of things, it has seemed to stalled for a bit. And a part of it is also like we're in the business end of the season, or at least we're starting that part of the season. So we can't play the likes of uh, Siad Haji as much as there's plenty of Haji stands that listen to this podcast. And I am one of them. I think he can be a good player. Uh, Jack Stan, even uh, Jacob Akanyarije when he gets healthy, uh, Gilbert Fuentes, those types of players like, it's tough to focus on their development when you're chasing the playoffs and you're the end of the season is upon you, but that's yeah. something that we don't get to see too much about. Like it would be nice if on the quakes website, they could post like a monthly youth, you know, under 23 or something report, like uh, something like maybe a YouTube clip of a few cool things they did in training. Um, yeah, that would at I least would put some minds at ease to know that the club is still thinking about their long-term future along with their immediate future. Definitely, yeah. Some might say you know thinking long-term is more important than than the than the now, but I don't know. Um, the now is also very important, but long-term, if if you could find the balance between the two, working the academy and working the first team, make sure everyone's getting the most, uh, being the most productive that they can. You know, the most important thing is to get the three points and, and to, to work for the shirt, work for the city, um, work, go Quakes, you know, go for the Quakes, work for the Quakes. Yep. So we got two more uh, fan questions here. This one comes from Discord. Afraid asks, do you think the team did well adapting to not having trophies and Nathan on the field? What are some of the key things they did to secure the tie? And I think... Uh, they had the right combination of players, even without Nathan, that they were going to cover every blade of grass as much as possible. I think that was the one benefit of finding a way to put Salinas, Abacasis, and Lopez on the field at all times. I mean, at the same time, sorry. I would say say, uh, Marcus Lopez did a great job today uh, covering the space, especially after Nathan's red card. Yeah, I think that especially in those tight areas along the touch lines that he was very assured about his decision-making and that made it very important. And I think they responded very well to that uh, offside goal that was ruled out there. I think maybe they had that realization that the fans is like, okay, that was too close for comfort. We got to minimize the mistakes. And the only other mistake I remember that I was thinking, Oh wow, that was awful was JT Marcinkowski. He, tried to do an aerial pass that was easily intercepted by a Minnesota player. But other than that, I thought it was a very solid performance. I think that went down to their effort and communication. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. And lastly, from Will at Honest GSW Fan sixty nine, great name. Uh, when will refer- MLS referees stop being bad? The quick answer to that is probably never. never. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he has two other questions. How long do you think it will take for Jeremy to adapt the Matias system? Um, if I think he'll have a good time during this break. Like, Almeida will probably go through a few things with him. And then we'll see how much progress he makes on that front. Uh, either in the Colorado Rapids game, I think maybe the Galaxy game might be a little too soon for that, or that stretch of games against uh, Austin, Dallas, and RSL in some order. <laughs> and then last, in some order, yeah. Uh, where are we gonna do about Kate Cal? His performance has gone worse. Um, well, he's too good to not play. I think not starting him is the right move. I think. There are reasons that he is a better uh, contributor as a player right now off the bench than he is uh, as a starter. And this might be a weird example because Andre Godala is near the end of his career and Kate Cowell is just beginning. But Andre Godala being a game changer on the bench gave the Golden State Warriors their first championship title, along with a few other factors like Steph Curry, of course. But I'm not saying... Kate Cowell will be the super sub that will lead San Jose Earthquakes to the MLS Cup, but I don't know too many MLS defenders that when they're tired after playing uh, an hour or so of soccer that they're going to be like, oh, yay, Kate Cowell's coming off the bench. This is going to be fun. <laughs> exactly, definitely. Um, I would say his pace is, is definitely what allows him to bring uh, some impact into the game. That's why I believe him being a substitute is is – is good under this system, uh, at least, you know, for now, while he gets a little bit more experience, his pace, uh, the way he dribbles at, at defenders is is definitely a good thing, depending on who you are. I mean, if you're the opposition fullback or the opposition center back, maybe not, not so much uh, because that could be kind of a nightmare if you, you've been running for about 80 minutes or 90, night the full 90 by then. Okay, so that's all the fan questions we have for today. Thank you for everyone who submitted questions, particularly in short notice due to the format of our podcasting schedule for this game. And we really appreciate all your support. Continue to listen to our podcast, both uh, the audio version and on YouTube. We're going to close things out with somewhat of a tectonic take or kind of looking into a crystal ball into the future. So I spoke briefly about the Western Conference. So there's five teams that look like, you know, barring any mishaps, they're going to be in the playoffs. So Seattle, Sporting Kansas City, Galaxy, Minnesota, and the Rapids. So that leaves two other spots. And the teams fighting for that spots right for those spots right now are LAFC, Timbers, Quakes, RSL, and FC Dallas. Which two of those five teams do you think are going to finish in the playoffs coming into the season, Chris? You know, I would absolutely love it for the Quakes to go all the way, make it into the playoffs. I believe that we can do it. I would, I believe that we can do it. Uh, I would, to answer the second part of that question, you know, I believe Timbers are a good team. They're, they have good history. They lost in 6-2, though, but it was in Seattle, so that's not, you know, so bad. But still, losing 6-2 is kind of bad. That's not a great scoreline. You know, uh, <laughs> not good for my point there, but, you know, <laughs> 
uh, you know, I would love for the San Jose Earthquakes to continue what they're doing, um, you know, continue not losing at least, you know, fight for the spots and toward the end of the season, if we can make it into the playoffs, you know, we, we all, we all saw what happened at the, uh, the MLS is back tournament tournament. We, we love to play with passion and, and see our team go all the way, you know, um, uh, as for, as for, I believe the Timbers could also probably fight for that spot. So LAFC misses out for you. I'm going to go the opposite. I think. The San Jose Earthquakes, I think they're going to fight tooth and nail and scratch and claw their way to that seventh spot. But I think, um, on second thought, I was about to say LAFC. And maybe that would have been reactionary because, like you said, and like I mentioned earlier, that the Timbers did recently lose to the center 6-2. But I have more faith in Savarese than I do in Bob Bradley. I think Bob Bradley could be sacked even before the season. And so I think yeah. maybe the damage has already been done for LAFC. And I think the Quakes and the Timbers, I'll agree with you there. Um, the potential wild card, I think, um, out of the other teams, I think could be FC Dallas. I think that they're a bit more battle proven than RSL down this last stretch. They had an impressive playoff win against the Portland Timbers last uh, season. So I think if anyone has another burst of energy to give into this playoff race, you got to keep an eye on FC Dallas and, you know, you can't play with the bull or we'll get the horns with them. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, and who knows, in that next few months, they might develop one of their other American players and sell them for $5 million. <laughs> Five million is a lot of money, especially in this league. Yeah, but, you know, it's FC Dallas. It's what they do. Them and the Philadelphia Union lately in particular. And, heck, even Sporting Kansas City with Gianluca Busio. Yeah. But to bring it back to Quakes, I think it's hard to imagine because it wasn't that long ago, a few episodes even, where I said uh, this club is cursed, draw SC, but – I'm actually okay with this draw. And I think you have to be 70 minutes down one player. You'll take the point. And I think, yeah, hopefully this will be enough good vibes and they'll continue to work hard. And maybe David will beat Goliath on Friday. The Quakes will take down LA Galaxy and really kickstart this season once again. Thanks for your time, Chris. Uh, I'm going to let Absolutely. you go home now because I'm sure it's getting <laughs> a little chilly. Even in the summer. Uh, it's a little a little windy, but you know, hey, thank you so much for having me on. It was a blast. You know, yeah. um I would love to come back on someday. You know, me, Abel, and Ivan, maybe we'll do a three-way podcast someday. Um I th thank you to everyone, you know, so much for listening. Uh keep keep staying in tune with the tectonic takes, you know, big things to come. Yeah, I think I'm not sure how many people watch this show, and this will be my obscure uh, reference for the podcast, but if you watch MTV's The Challenge, you may be familiar with the Young Bucks Alliance, Corey Nelson and Hunter. I think the TikTok takes Young Bucks, Chris and Nabil, they're all right. We're glad to have them on this team, and I'm happy to be able to podcast with you tonight. Go Quakes! Right. Go Quakes! Yeah, definitely. Yeah, go Quakes. Right have a good night. Thank you all for listening. You too. Thank you all. Have a nice night. Bye. Thank you.